show is brought to you by Johnston Group, Vittorio Rossi, Trans Canada Brewing, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and Homefield. Oh, hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. It only took me a minute and 30 seconds to clue in that time. Maybe it was only a minute, but thank you very much for warning me in the chat room that the that the mute button was off. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weave from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show following game 80 of the season, but I've got more to say about it than that. Uh, this is an absolutely, once again, dominating performance by the Winnipeg Jets at a time when they needed to come out <clears throat> with a dominating performance. I've said on this show a number of times before, I have no idea what to expect from game to game for the Winnipeg Jets. I know that one of our viewers, one of our listeners um, has said to me, uh, they don't live here in Winnipeg. They gamble uh, a lot for, for a living and have told me that they have made a ton of money betting against the Jets in this last half of the season. I'm wondering how that's panning out for them as of late, because I will tell you this much. Again, I've had people coming up to me before games saying, what do you think is going to happen tonight? I, people said that to me before the Nashville game. I said, I, I, I honestly have no idea what to expect from the Winnipeg Jets. I feel like I'm starting to get an idea of what we can expect from the Winnipeg Jets. Before this game tonight, I'd said, if I'm a betting man, and I'm not a betting man, I want to make that clear. I want to make it clear I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying to anyone to go out and do that. Um, I would never ask anyone to do something that I wasn't willing to do myself. I do not gamble on sports. But if I had been a betting man, I would have said I would have taken all the money I had in my savings and put on the Winnipeg Jets winning tonight. Why? Well, what we saw from the Winnipeg Jets the other night against the Nashville Predators was a Jets team playing with a roster that was superior to that of the Nashville Predators and that if they knew, went out and played a certain way that they would not give that roster a sniff or an opportunity to win that game. And I had thought to myself, knowing what was on the line in that game, coming out and having that kind of performance against the Nashville Predators, you could expect that the Winnipeg Jets were going to do the same thing against the San Jose Sharks team that, again, is you know filled with AHLers, not really a, a high-end, I mean, barely a low-end NHL roster. Uh, the Jets did what... I've been, I don't want to say what I've been asking, what they should have been doing for the entirety of the season. Instead of playing down to their competition, the Winnipeg Jets have gone out and made sure that there's no way they can be beat by a team lower than them in the standings. That's what we saw from them tonight. They did not give the San Jose Sharks a sniff. Yes, they didn't start very well. The Sharks came out and score, but they bounced back immediately. Go get that goal back. Keep on piling it up. Do not stop piling it up until the final whistle at the end of the game. Um, this is what you want to see. This is what you expect a good hockey team to do to a not very good hockey team when something matters, right? I understand this, and this was the point I was making the other day before Nashville came in, and people were saying, yeah, but they beat the Bruins, they beat the, the Vegas Golden Knights, they beat the Carolina Hurricanes. My counter to that would be like, well, put your money where your mouth is. How many games do you think that the Nashville Predators would take from the Boston Bruins in a playoff series? My guess is most of you are saying maybe one at the most, probably none. I think you'd probably say the same thing about the Vegas Golden Knights, and maybe even a team like the Carolina Hurricanes, although they are struggling right now. But the, the point that I'm trying to make is the, the Nashville Predators were getting away with it a lot in games that really didn't have the juice for the opposition uh, that it had for the Nashville Predators. When the Winnipeg Jets went up against the Nashville Predators, to me, it's as simple as this. You've got a roster that is not as good as the Jets. If the Jets elevate their roster 
based on the game to a certain level, that team cannot beat them. Anyone who argues that point, I say to them, well, what could the National Predators not do in that game? They couldn't score against the Winnipeg Jets. Maybe the fact that their best player and one of their most offensive players in Roman Yossi wasn't in the lineup and their highest scoring forward in Matt Duchesne wasn't in the lineup and their next highest scoring forward in Philip Forsberg wasn't in the lineup and Ryan Johansson after that. Maybe that had something to do with that, that team's inability to score in that game. But that doesn't matter. The Jets had to play what was in front of them, and they played that game in a way that they could not lose. And that's what they did here tonight. Two crucial points now put them one point away from clinching were secured, and they were no doubt secured. And I think you could expect that the Jets would come out and secure them because they knew how to play the San Jose Sharks because they had just done it against the Nashville Predators. Congratulations to them. Great job to them. It takes a maturity to do this. This is a good sign for the Winnipeg Jets. I'm going to tell you this right now if you're watching what is happening between the Calgary Flames and the Nashville Predators, which I'm trying to keep an eye on in the background here. You're seeing a Calgary Flames team that is right in the thick of the fight with the Nashville Predators. I I would suggest that will tell you if there's some way that the Calgary Flames find their way into the playoffs and the Winnipeg Jets won't or don't, it will be a disservice to the playoffs because I think what we are seeing down the stretch here is that the Winnipeg Jets are clearly the superior team to the Calgary Flames because the Flames aren't able to do what I just said that the Jets were able to do in the last couple of their games. The Flames aren't able to take teams that don't have the roster that they have and create no doubt wins against those teams the way really good playoff teams would do. If it really mattered and the Nashville Predators were playing the Edmonton Oilers right now, what do you think would happen? If it really mattered and the Nashville Predators were playing the Colorado Avalanche right now, what do you think would happen? Those would be slaughter similar to from what we saw from the Winnipeg Jets. The point being the Winnipeg Jets are conducting themselves like good teams conduct themselves right now. The Calgary Flames, who knows, they make it through, may make it through here, but they are not conducting themselves like an upper echelon team they're covering or they're carrying themselves like a team that may just get over the line. Now, how could they do that? Well, the Winnipeg jets have two games left, one against the Minnesota wild, one against the Colorado avalanche to control their own fate outright. They need to earn a single point. I think that they do it regardless. Uh, I've said this all along. I think they book their own ticket to the playoffs. But would anyone be absolutely blown away that the Winnipeg Jets lost their last two games of the season to the Minnesota Wild and the Colorado Avalanche? I don't think you should be blown away. It is a, it's a possibility. I'm not saying that it's likely, but it, there's, a, there's a possibility and no one would be surprised. There's a chance that the, Cal- uh, the Calgary Flames come back in this game and win it and then win against the San Jose Sharks. And if that happened and the Jets were blanked, got no points in these last two games, they would still miss the playoffs. Conversely, if Nashville gets through, there's a little bit of a worrying scenario to be had in this. Right now, the game between the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild matters to the Minnesota Wild. They need to win that game, and very likely against the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday. That game will matter to the Colorado Avalanche as well, so you can expect that the Winnipeg Jets will get the best that those two teams have to have. There's a scenario by which the Jets play those two games, and then the Predators, if they beat the Flames here tonight, roll in and play those two teams afterwards in what will be the last game of the season for both those teams, that those games don't matter, and they don't stock their lineup with an NHL lineup. They stock it with an AHL lineup and an easier lineup, and the Nashville Predators may get a free pass on those two games and win those two games, which means if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you need to take care of business on your own. And before you say that's unfair, think back to 2015 when the Winnipeg Jets claimed their spot in the playoffs in game 81 of that season and the next game played. And it was one of the very few games that Blake Wheeler had missed over a huge stretch of time because the Jets didn't ice their team. This is what happens at this time of year. This is why it's best to take care of your business ahead of time. But there's a potential nightmare scenario that can unfold here for the Winnipeg Jets if they don't take care of their business. The lesson being, take care of your business, guys. It's what you need to do. Uh, one point is all it's going to take. Overtime, whatever whatever it is, the Winnipeg Jets need to go earn themselves a point in these next two games. That's my take on it all. For the take, 
from the guy who's got the best music in the business. It is time to bring in my main man, Kenny. Here he comes. Kenny, my friend, Jets have won four of their last five games. A lot of them look like they this game here tonight. This looked very similar to what we saw them play against the Detroit Red Wings or the New Jersey Devils, save for the fact that you can't pin this one on those two teams coming in tired uh, after traveling and being on the back end of back-to-backs. Um, it's It's threatening and starting to look like the Winnipeg Jets may have discovered their identity and are putting it together over and over again on the ice. What do you see? Yeah, certainly interesting, uh, Sean. There's no doubt about that. Jets closed out the home portion of the schedule with an impressive showing. And much to your liking, Sean, they're creating and generating offense that is sustainable. It is offense generated with speed, offense generated around the blue paint, causing chaos around the net. The Mason-Appleton goal, a great example. Uh, you know Adam Lowry with the pass in front, re- one-handed redirection by Nino Niederreiter. Appleton goes bar down. I love the fact I just posted the quote. Uh, Appleton made kind of made fun of himself in some ways, saying that he couldn't even believe the shot went in because it was Reimer that had the highlight reel paddle save against him in the last meeting. Uh, it was impressive, Sean. And, you know, we've been watching this team for a long time, and there have been signs of very good play and there have been signs of uneven play to put it mildly and we have not seen a lot of uneven play during the course of this homestand jets go four and one at a time they need to be really good i think their only mediocre game was against the calgary flames but the fact that they bounced back with two impressive showings i would say is is an is an important uh, attribute that they were able to show Uh, i would also say that the fact that their offense which was in a very deep slumber, has pounded home six goals on three times on that homestand, was definitely an impressive showing. Now, you know, this, as you mentioned, this was not a, you know, this was not a high-end roster they were going up against with all due respect to the San Jose Sharks. Yep. Uh, however, <laughs> they don't allow you to just pump them in uh, without trying. So uh, the fact that they scored a bunch on this homestand, I would say, was important for them. They didn't use it with the Snape Charmer offense in this game or in many of those games, quite frankly. So I would say it's an important step forward. But as my lead in my column that will soon be posted on Sportsnet.ca says, Sean, now comes the hard part for the Winnipeg Jets. And that is to take nothing away from what they just accomplished. They will play two games against Central Division opponents in the next three days. Yes, the Minnesota Wild also played this evening against the Chicago Blackhawks. They will be on a back-to-back, so it it is not a schedule advantage for either team necessarily. But they know what they need to get done. They feel fairly confident in getting it done. Uh, Unless... Colorado, I, I think it's going to matter for Colorado Friday's game regardless. Even if they lose to the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow, Sean, they would still have a chance at first place in the Central in their last two meetings. So, And the other part of the equation is that if they don't play well enough against the Jets and then the game against Nashville doesn't matter, it won't matter because the Jets would be in, right? So I think that they're, going to, they're still going to ice an important lineup. Uh, against the Predators on Friday, no matter what happens in those two games. But you're 100% right. The Jets don't take care of business. It could go right down to never mind the Jets' last game of the year. They might have to wait nervously until Friday to see, A, what kind of roster Colorado dresses, and B, uh, what, what the, kind of you know, how they play in a game that won't really matter as much to them. So, you know, the drama is still very much here, but I would also say the Jets have put them in a very 
strong position to succeed. Uh, you know, if they don't, there's there are going to be a lot of question marks and a lot of hard decisions on the horizon. So I think it was an important step forward today, but there's a lot of work left to do. But the Jets have shown signs of late that they're up for the challenge. So I just want to touch on something that I'm really hoping for will be the end of this is the incessant barrage of messages that I get in the chat room (laughs) when I speak with my fellow media folk uh, in my personal messages, people saying, Rennie, are you getting nervous yet? Rennie, are you getting nervous <laughs> about your suggestion for a long time that the Jets are making the playoffs? I'm going to make this clear one last time. This has always been about the math. I've said this numerous times. It's never been about my faith in the Winnipeg Jets and how they play. And it's and it's been more about my lack of faith in the teams like the Flames and the Predators. But it's always been about math, and the math suggested this was near impossible. And to it, to get beyond the near impossible math, you would have had to have found a team that looked like they were capable of doing something special to beat the math. And I go back to the point of the Calgary Flames losing to the Chicago Blackhawks, losing to the Vancouver Canucks. They never looked to me like a team special enough to outdo the math. The one thing about this, right to this situation, I'll say this because we are right on the doorstep of the Jets making this. Not once, as bad as everything has been for the Winnipeg Jets over the last little while, not once after the loss to the San Jose Sharks, the 3-0 loss, after all the disappointing things that they went through, not once did the math ever turn or come close to suggesting that the Winnipeg Jets were going to make it. So for now, for the math to turn, it would have to turn extremely sharply in the opposite direction, and the Jets would find themselves on the wrong side of the math on the very last game of the season for this to pull out. It's always been about the probability. This is what I've said before, but can, if, and I believe when the Winnipeg Jets book their ticket to the Stanley Cup playoffs, it will be great for me because I will stop having to deal with all the panicky people around this city who are like, are you sure, Randy? Are you sure? Are you sure? And they will notice that my response to them all the time has been consistent. Yes, I believe the Winnipeg Jets are still going to the playoffs. Did I did I I falter? I was blown away, no doubt, by the by the <laughs> at the, the closeness uh-huh. that the Winnipeg Jets made this. They tried to make the math bend away from their favor, but in the end, it never did. Why? Because when I started saying this, I didn't say it on a whim. I said it because the math suggested this was a near impossible happening, and what we're seeing is that near impossible happening almost dying a death that i can't wait to see it die it was a pretty it was an early election desk moment sean let, let, let's just be honest in calling it what it is but it's going to turn out that you're probably going to be right so i i, I said this <laughs> to you and to the rest of the journalists today you're all going to say to me yeah but how close was it i was it was never the, the argument was never is it going to be close the argument was the math tells us the jets are going to be in the playoffs i'm going with the math I'm confident in the math. So whether it got close or not doesn't mean anything. I know you're all going to say that. You're all going to say, yeah, but Renny, it was really close. It doesn't matter if it was close. I made a statement. The statement was that based on the math, the Winnipeg Jets are going to go to the playoffs. If they go to the playoffs, I will go back through all my private messages from all the people who texted me with their panic, and I will expect, and you know who you are out there, I will expect you to text me and say, Renny, I am so sorry for bringing my panic to your doorstep. You were right all along. I'm just waiting for that, throwing it out there. You know who you are. You know what you need to do. Get it at it after this is finally dying a long, overweighted death. Kenny, uh, you're looking like a million bucks. I got to say, I already got some. Uh, uh, I love this one from Leslie Mitchnuck, who says, My wife liked your suit, Rennie. Once I pointed out that was Rennie on the screen in one of your hits, she doesn't pay much attention when I'm watching hockey. Well, I appreciate that she paid attention when what caught her eye was this. And it's not Rennie doing this, it's Frankie and the boys of Vittorio Rossi who make it pop. And that's why your wife was paying attention to hockey tonight, <laughs> Leslie Mitchnuck. Not because of me but because of frankie and the boys down at vittorio rossi if you'd like all your wives to notice you looking like a million bucks you know what to do head on down to Corden avenue go see frankie and the boys of vittorio rossi they will do you upright make sure you tell them that kenny and rennie sent you or maybe tell them that your wives 
sent you because Kenny and Rennie made their eyes pop with their suits. There you go. Ken, what's your lamplighter on the evening? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, some folks will uh, may, may have a chuckle about this, but this is twofold for me. It, it is definitely the Pierre-Luc Dubois power play goal, not because Dubois scored it, but because of the circumstances. Sean, the circumstances in the game are that the Jets gave up a goal off the rush to the most dangerous player on the opposition 20 seconds into the contest, uh, potentially putting them on a you know nervous, nervous tenure. Instead, they got themselves a power play and A, showed great puck movement and B, responded, I believe, my math isn't great, but I believe it's 51 seconds uh, Don't afterward. worry, I've got great math, Ken. Uh, you do have great math, Sean. I know I can count on you, my man. <laughs> so to me, that was an important thing, and it had nothing to do with the fact that Dubois, I believe, uh, you know, set a new mark for, for points in a season. Uh, but I, I just thought it was important. A, because the Jets have stuck with Ehlers on that top unit, they got really good interchange there. Shifley with a heads-up pass and Dubois banging home a one-timer. Sean, we know this. When Dubois is engaged early... He's dangerous. Same with Shifley today. Involved early on in the game. He was going both directions again. Lots of effort in the game. The fact that the Jets scored on the power play, got two on the power play, and responded so quickly, that's what I saw in the game today. And I thought that that, that there were lots of great candidates for the Lamplighter. But to me, the most important thing was the Jets responding to the early goal against and the fact that the power play made it happen. Um, was why I'm choosing that as my lamplighter of this game, brought to you by the great folks at TransCanada Brewing Company. I love it. I love it, Ken. I'm not going to argue with it, even though you know I love to argue. Uh, you know, I, hadn't I got noticed. it all. I hadn't noticed. I, I, I got it all out of my <laughs> system when I was terrorizing our camera guy, Colin, earlier on today. Uh, who, yes. who, Kenny is like enough, enough, Rennie. Yeah, but I just that was, I that was enough. Again, it was too much fun. Uh, I, I'll, I'll agree with your lamplighter, uh, but you don't have to, everybody. There's lots of goals to choose from. Uh, I, I, th- I thought they're all very worthwhile. So you share with us what you thought your lamplighter of the evening was, your favorite goal of the evening, and that will automatically enter you to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale, the nectar of the gods from our great friends at TransCanada Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you your eight-pack of lamplighter Amber Ale, head on down to the TransCanada Brewing Company. Join them in their tap room at 11290 Keniston, where you can get that frosty, delicious lamp lighter, or their absolutely delicious blueberry, or some of their great IPAs, or their stouts, or their sours. And then you can walk over and have some of their great appies and tie into all their pizzas. And if you're really interested in trying a whole bunch of their different kind of pizzas, Ken, which really, why would you go there and settle for one when you could try them all? <laughs> you could do that at the Kenny and Rennie Year Ender Bender uh, with the list, which is now like I, I've I've pulled all the magic it's I can. Over full, buddy. The it's list overfull. is officially full. We've started a reserve list. Please, if you're interested, hop on the reserve list because, like I said, it's 250 person capacity. Some people, when we announce the party, we ex- which we expect to be the second Tuesday after the season ends. When I say that, I mean whenever the Jets are done in the playoffs, where the math tells us they are going to be going. Um, <laughs> Uh, some people are not going to be able to make it. So get on the reserve list if you're still interested. And then that way, when people drop off the list, you can pop into that list. It's going to be an absolutely great time. Like I said, great beers, great pizza, great people. It's a 3P party, everybody. you got to get in on it. So make sure you send me, message me at, uh, DM me at SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your full name and a contact, either your phone number or whatever. And I'll get a hold of you when it's time for the party. And we'll get bent at the Kenny and Rennie year-ender bender. Before we move on, I need to announce the Lamplighter winner from our last show, and that would be Lauren Finley, who Ken, I think, was a four-for-four at the Kenny and Rennie parties this year. Always seemed to bring a lot of people there as well, so a well-deserving recipient of that frosty, delicious Lamplighter Amber Ale, brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing. So you know what to do, Lauren. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Give me your full name, which I know is Lauren Finley, and a contact information, which I believe I have. But just get a hold of me to make sure that you remind me. And I will send you your voucher for some frosty, delicious, an eight-pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale brought to you by our friends at Transcanner Brewing Company. You can pick it up at the uh, year-ender bender because Lauren Finley actually took the first four spots on the reserve list. He was 
quick. Uh, hey, don't don't get in a uh, what's it called an old west shootout uh, with uh, Lauren <laughs> Finley because he's as quick on the draw as it gets. Ken, let's move on to the home. F- excuse me, not home field. Let's get to the Johnson Group. Got you covered. Play of the game. Yeah, for me, this is a cumulative effect here, and you know we. We're going to talk about him quite a bit more as we move along here. It's not one play in particular, but on an evening where Eric Carlson had 100 points, I believe he was on the ice for, let's see, what what did our Carlson finish minus two, which meant he was on for three even strength goals against his, one of his goals was on the power play and he scored at even strength. Josh Morrissey, one and two for three to get him to 75 points on the season. Uh, just an exceptional year all around by Morrissey. He's on the ice for three even strength goals, four out of a plus three, 27 shifts for 23.09, three shots on goal, seven attempts, two takeaways, a hit, and a blocked shot. Just another impressive showing by a guy who's had just a phenomenal year. And the fact that, you know, Josh knows who his competition is for the Norris Trophy. He went out of his way to say what an accomplishment it was for. Eric Carlson to become the sixth defenseman in NHL history to have a hundred point season. And the first since 91, 92 when New York Rangers blue liner, Brian Leach had 102 points. So uh, for me, Morrissey is, like I said, you could call it his goal if you want, but uh, I thought that Morrissey was just spectacular in this game overall. And I thought he was, was really excellent. Uh, You know, all year long, he's been excellent. 75 points is is ridiculous in itself and you know the fact that Carlson hit 100 is definitely impressive and Sean we've talked about this a lot there have been times where myself and other voters for the award have been scratching their heads and you know knowing that a he plays on a poor team and b the quest for 100 has been basically what the Sharks have been playing for for the last two months uh, and the fact that he really doesn't defend all that often it's really challenging to to cast your ballot in Carlson's direction, but it's also hard to ignore the fact that he had 100 points and the fact that six people have done it in NHL history. um, It's pretty hard to ignore. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. Let's get into that. Let's talk about that and have this conversation because it's going to be a good one. But before that, I just want to make sure that I'm giving a shout out to the Kenny and Rennie OGs, the OGs. The Johnson Group, you won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers Plan. Employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers Plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits. As a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers Plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers Plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Okay, let's launch into this because I think that this is a fascinating conversation. I don't vote on this. Um, I'm at the stage, Ken, I wouldn't want to vote with the media because you know how I feel on a lot of these things and how the media handles a lot of these situations. We all know how I feel about Connor McDavid. He's basically had to make history in order to get some writers to stop foolishly trying to convince themselves that he's the best player in the game. This is a different situation that we have here uh, because when you're talking about the defenseman of the year, you can't just kind of fall into the, you know, and we know the suggestions that there should be an award for the most the best shutdown defenseman and the best offensive defenseman. You have to kind of try and ride that line and find the mix, okay? And so here's the case for Eric Carlson. Regardless, focus this year has been on on trying to get him those numbers. The fact that he's got what, like, was it 73, 74 after uh, tonight here? 74 points this season are at even strength, that's phenomenal. I don't I don't care about the idea of, you know, people suggesting, yeah. you know, that his defense and stuff like that. To generate 74 points from the back end at even strength is an astounding number, an audacious number. And it would be very interesting to go look at his fellow players that have crossed the his fellow defensemen who have crossed the hundred point threshold to see how many of them had anywhere near that kind 
of even strength points, I've got the feeling that it wouldn't be many of them. That, regardless of how you slice it, the ability to generate from the point the way he has with a full 10 players on the ice is amazing because let's be honest with ourselves when defense score a lot of points it usually has something to do with the power play in the case of josh morrissey it will have had something to do with the power play so if you compare what josh morrissey has done offensively at even strength compared to what eric carlson has done that massive gap goes a long way to closing the idea that yeah carlson is not very good defensively but he did something that is so audacious that it balances the scales in a certain direction right here's my take on josh morrissey he had a great night phenomenal night once again showed why he's one of the leaders on this team morrissey needed that and he needs another two before it's over because josh morrissey who had been second in scoring by defenseman for a long time dropped down and was tied for fourth with two or three other players before this game started in points here's the deal Josh Morrissey, I think, is a really good defensive defenseman. I think he's phenomenal positionally. I think he snuffs and kills so many plays by seeing where the puck's going to go before everybody else does. Uh, when when uh, opposition in the offensive zone try to swing the puck around the boards, he's able to cut that off, turn the puck up ice. I think he's phenomenal at it. But... I don't think for the most part that the rest of the league sees what we see. It's another way of saying as good as Josh Morrissey is defensively, I don't think he looks like a dominating defenseman. And you made the point to me, Ken, that the underlying numbers don't suggest that Josh Morrissey is a suffocating defenseman. Did you not say that to me earlier today? I did, yeah. So So here's the deal. Josh Morrissey... While we know that he's a very good defenseman, if you are a a journalist who is voting on this and you're looking from elsewhere and you don't see this hulking six foot five dominating defensive defenseman and the backup metrics don't suggest that he is that, then the argument now is Josh Morrissey is a very good point producer and a, a very good defender against a phenomenal point-producing defenseman who's done something that hasn't been done in over 30 years and has also done something that only five players in the over 100 and what 20 30 year history of the game have ever done before that pops and so you may not be very good defensively but if you're taking that balance and balancing it in the middle and if you find out that it kind of lines up right where josh morrissey is one of those things is historic And Josh Morrissey does not have the historic credit that Eric Carlson has. So I think that puts him in a tough spot. Josh Morrissey's biggest problem right now, now he did it a little bit tonight to separate himself from that next level of the pack. But if Josh Morrissey ends up at the end of the year with, you know, tied and put in for for third or fourth or fifth in points by defensemen, I think it's going to be very hard to differentiate him from Adam Fox or Jonathan Dolan or players like that. Rasmus. Sorry, Rasmus. And then what you're going to have is you're going to have two players that kind of have similar numbers and kind of did similar things and don't stand out as being absolute killers on defensemen. as defensemen and and in the defensive style of the game. And what you're going to find is one player is going to stand out because of what he's done. I think without two really big games to close out the season for Josh Morrissey, I think we have to say goodbye to his chances of winning the Norris trophy. Yeah. I mean, you make a lot of good points there, Sean. I, I do think that the challenge got tougher for Josh to win the award for sure. Um, 100 points is, like you said, it just it's almost impossible to ignore just because of the rarefied air that he is currently swimming in. There's no other way to put it. And as you mentioned, having that many points that even like this, we talk about drivers and offensive drivers. Yes, they're a bad team that has not been in contention for a long, long time. But Carlson is the offense on, on a night where the Jets knew that they had to try to keep Carlson under wraps he scored both goals so I know yeah uh, that's the other thing yeah so for me Josh has had a great year and he's going to you know for me he's going to be a finalist for the award for sure 
but right now I, I think it's impossible to say that Carlson's not one and, and Josh isn't two. And I know some people have other votes. Um, some people don't may not have Morrissey second, but I do think he's deserving of being in the top three. And I, I'm currently have him second on my ballot, even though, right, you, like you said, Josh puts the Jets on his back against Minnesota, gets his team into the playoffs. That will count for something for sure. Is it going to sway voters to putting him number one on the ballot? I'm not sure. But, I mean, we're trying to be as honest as possible here. I think that, that Josh, in, in almost any other season, he would be, if not an obvious candidate, the front runner. But you can't ignore what Carlson's been doing this year. No doubt. Uh, I agree with that. And I know there's a lot of people who are saying this. Jeff Bowes says anyone who cheats his team doesn't deserve a trophy. And I've got time for this argument. I've also got time for the argument. And, I mean, you heard this on the Sportsnet panel tonight. What he's doing is near impossible. Like, regardless of cheating or anything like that, like from what you saw tonight, Eric Carlson showed you uh, in that first in that first goal and then in that second goal that he's able to generate offense in ways that are I mean that was he wasn't derelict of duty on those plays no um and and the other part about this that people aren't like like who else is there to shut down on the San Jose Sharks like the, the the idea of this beyond what we're talking about is is that he's been able to manufacture these points when every team, like you'd said, the Jets would have done tonight, head into a game and say, we're going to shut down Eric Carlson. And the other part about that is them getting scored on and him being a, a, a minus player has to, you have to carry with that the idea that Josh Morrissey is surrounded by a lot of capable players, right? You see when the Winnipeg Jets play like this, especially when the play, they play the style that they are playing tonight, is surrounded by a lot of capable players. Eric Carlson is not. And so there's a lot of times that pucks are going to go in the back of his net. Now, if Eric Carlson was going to stay back and try to stave off all the mistakes that his teammates made, he would never make it up the ice. So I don't think it's as obvious as saying he's just all offense and he doesn't do anything for his teammates. There's an element to that, no doubt. The last time that they played here, they were up, and he almost, almost – well, I think he gave the Jets a breakaway. It was just an absolutely terrible pass. So there is an element of that happening there, but I also think that there's an element of him playing to to say, if no one else can generate offense on this team, I'm going to have to, and that's what he's doing. And that's not easy to do when everyone is keying on you, and it's near impossible to do it on the back end, and it is it is impossible to do it at five on five the way he has and still he's overcome that things need to be taken into consideration for that and i know people are saying it's not the best point getter it's the best defenseman but in this day and age especially defensemen are required to jump in the play they are required to be part of the offense so you have to take it into consideration and the way that he's scoring is not abandoning his duties this is not you know uh this is not a situation where you're seeing like Bufflin leaving and just going and hanging in front of the front of the net, which he never did, but people always wanted him to do, abandon his defense and just go to the front of the net. It's not a case of him doing that. He's generating that offense from the point, which is extremely hard to do. I think Ken is going to be very, very hard for him to not walk away with that trophy unless Josh Morrissey can put up another six points in his last two games, separate himself from the pack, and be able to say, look, I outscored everybody uh, except for this guy, but I did it on a team that matters, which is the case that Rick Bonus tried to make tonight. Ken, if you heard that, I Rick did. Bonus basically came out and gave all the, you know, load of the game of, of, Eric Carlson, but said now he's got to do it on a playoff team. I thought it was a little bit of an under, uh, you know, a tough shot because we've seen Eric Carlson and what he's done special on playoff teams before. Yep. He was a driving force like very few defensemen we've ever seen on that Ottawa Senators team that went to Game 7 overtime against the Penguins and were close to winning a cup. So don't take it away from Eric Carlson that he's not a playoff-style defenseman. He took a team and put them on their backs in the past and has done that before. He can do it, but the point that is trying to be made by Rick Bonus was he's not on a playoff team. Josh Morrissey is. Josh Morrissey deserves the votes. And all of you... Jets fans out there who absolutely love that argument, and I know that you do, 
would have hated that argument on a year that Connor Hellebuck fell below the playoff line and won the Vezda Trophy when people were saying it shouldn't matter. The numbers will tell you everything you need to know. Anyways, that's my take on that. Ken, before we move on, Savage, look at this one out. from from Ranged User. Savage, Savage Ouch. comment right here. Ouch. They should make Ouch. a Carlson Trophy. Best player on a lottery team. That's okay. Uh, here, that's here's harsh. what we're gonna do. Before we get to that, I'm gonna. It has been called for. I know you called for it as well. Let's make this a uh, Sean's headband version of the Kenny and Rennie show, and then we're gonna give a shout out to Sweet Lou. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, great job this season, you all. We'll see you. We'll see. We'll see you in the playoffs. Next home game, we'll see you then. Sorry, I was just saying bye to the hair and makeup team. They did a great job this year. Uh, absolutely great job, uh, Ken. Why don't you give a shout out to Sweet Lou? Yeah, no doubt for all the folks who have realty needs they would like to have met, whether you're buying, selling, curious what that house on the corner of your street is going for, or maybe looking to move to another neighborhood, you can contact Lou Ferlin of Royal LePage Dynamic Realty at 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000. His email is lou at louferlin.ca. That's L-O-U at L-O-U-F-U-R-L-A-N.ca and his website with all of his listings louferlin.ca Lou Furlan, excellent realtor excellent human being and excellent supporter of the community including this podcast for which we are eternally grateful love sweet Lou and I've just got this image at the year end or bender of sweet Lou up on one of the tables doing like those Russian dances or something like that I know that (laughs) Furlan is not a Russian name but I think he could probably do that I don't know what he can't do Lou can do it all everybody um we need to talk about, okay, let's talk about Adam Lowry specifically. His goal, I was enthralled with his goal. The, play, the, the, the face-off loses the face-off, dives over the other center to reach out and one hand, chip the puck back into a spot where Nino Niederreiter can get it, starts that play, ends up scoring the goal, which I thought was the key goal of the game and the real backbreaker for a San Jose Sharks team that came out looking like they thought that they'd maybe be able to compete on that night. Um, Adam Lowry at every turn this season, and I would suggest has been... There has been, while the Jets have struggled down the stretch here and haven't had their best from a lot of their star players, I do not believe that there is a player on this team. And I think I I will extend that to Josh Morrissey, my pick for MVP. I will extend that to Connor Hellebuck, your pick for MVP of this team. I do not think there is a single player on the Winnipeg Jets that has done more to pick the Jets up by the scruff of the neck and drag them into the fight than Adam Lowry. Not only does he fight every time this team needs him to fight, not only does he bleed out on every single play like he did there tonight, you saw him, not only is he dominant, absolutely dominant when it comes to working the boards and throwing hits and roughing up the other team, not only does he take the play to the front of the net where the team needs to take it when the team isn't taking it to the front of the net, but he's even added into his repertoire scoring absolutely massive goals after disappearing from the ability to score goals for an extremely long time. Adam Lowry, the A that he wears on his chest is as earned as a new player I can remember getting a letter on their chest. I still think that Josh Morrissey needs to be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets because he he does this similar to Adam Lowry does. Um, and he's got a talent level that Adam Lowry does not have. But I will say this. Um, boy, oh boy, has Josh, excuse me, has, has uh, Adam Lowry ever earned that a yeah just awesome and you know adam you know now the fact that he's able to make fun of the the tough stretch of course he didn't want to go the 35 games or whatever it was without scoring a goal but he's had a strong season he's done he does everything that is asked of him he's their most physical player he's in the trenches every single day incredibly hard worker very thoughtful person 
and someone who has really carried that leadership you know i wouldn't call it a burden this is a guy who's been born to lead he does a great job in that front that checking line has been absolutely excellent for the jets nino niederreiter we talked about balance a lot sean and niederreiter has been such a great fit on that line because he brings a little extra finish and he's around the blue paint all the time he wins so many board battles he's such a strong player uh, sort of an ox out there at times winning board battles and living around the blue paint but Lowry's been excellent down the stretch here Sean at a time where the Jets needed someone to really get them going Lowry's done a nice job on that front and you know Appleton is skating really well getting very much involved and yeah Lowry's you know I think he's got a career high for for points I believe I'm going to just double check but He's just, uh, you know, having a great season and, and a guy who whose value has always stretched well beyond the point totals, the goals and assists and whatever else. Um, puts up a lot of penalty minutes, as you said. I mean, not a lot is in the 100, 100 penalty minutes like in the old days, but, you know, 12 goals, 35 points. 35 points is the highest point total he's had by six. Uh, he had 29 back in 16-17 for the Jets. He's three off his career high of 15 goals that he had in that same season yeah I mean was there a stretch where he needed to do more offensively of course but even on the times when Adam doesn't produce offense he's still a very effective player and uh, I would go so far as to say this as important as the Jets stars have been if if the Jets are going to secure a point in these next two games Lowry's line is going to have to continue to get rolling and the other thing I loved about Appleton scrum is that you know, he right away mentioned the need to have a better start, but he also knew that his line helped get things going the other direction. So uh, those are the kind of guys that, that are going to have to perform in the playoffs if they can get there, and they'll have to continue to perform down the stretch uh, you know, like they have so far. And Lowry has been an important player for the Jets for sure, which is why I always counter the folks that say Adam Lowry is a very good fourth liner. I'm sorry, that is simply not the case. He is more than that he always has been or at least since his early stages and he, he can he can't play fourth line minutes he's too valuable to the jets on that regard um let's talk uh about the partnership that he's quickly building with nino niederreiter now i think what we've seen from nino niederreiter is that he will fit everywhere um yep. and i had thought earlier on based on what he was getting out of uh mark shifley that mark shifley was the best person for nino niederreiter to play with seemed to go cold at some point there and it seems now that they've you know that uh line that we're seeing between uh um <coughs> excuse me uh kyle connor uh pierre-luc dubois and mark shifley really seems to have found its groove without kind of grinding and the need to grind they're having these dominant shifts where they're bottling people up but back to Niederreiter and Lowry, um, what are you seeing between those two players? Because to me, this is a match made in heaven. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if Niederreiter is on the third line, that's a team that has a lot of offensive depth in terms of its scoring. And Niederreiter, as you mentioned, is a guy you can move up in the top line if you need him there. Uh, he can be streaky at times, but he's a guy that gives you consistent effort. Same thing. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux told me the day that he was traded, there are going to be stretches where Nito Ryder goes cold, but even in those times where he hasn't been producing as much offense, I, I think it's hard to imagine a game where you don't notice Nino Niederreiter, Sean, and that that is a massive compliment. And the fact that he gets involved physically is 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 as important as his offense, and his offense has been impressive. So uh, I like the way that they play together. They read off each other super well. Uh, you know, Niederreiter's never been a real burner, but he can get around. He moves. He can still get involved in transition. Uh, he can score off the rush with a shot, but he does the majority of his damage around the blue paint, and that that's what makes him uh, so you know, so valuable for a team that doesn't have a a lot of players that are you know living in that area with a lot of frequency. So, to me, it has been a great fit. Is there going to come a time at some point where Niederreiter has to move up? Whether that's you know, where Blake Wheeler is or where someone else is, you know, that remains to be seen. But to have that versatility is uh, is incredibly important. And uh, just one quick one, because I know that some of the folks in the chat room are, are paying attention, but some are not. Uh, Zach Sanford with the go-ahead goal. The for I know we spent a lot of time talking about him on Saturday night, Sean, but the former Jet has put the Predators up 2-1 to one over the Flames. 
Oh, sorry, two, two, two tie. Flames have just scored the equalizer. Oh here my we are. Goodness. Here we are trying to be give the accurate updates, and there they are. Zach Sanford with the go ahead goal. Michael Backlund with his nineteenth to tie it up with eight oh three remaining. So, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this: like the way that the Calgary Flames have played with fire down the stretch here is crazy. And I'll say this: I, I would far prefer to be a fan of the Winnipeg Jets right now, a team that is going out and absolutely taking care of business with with you know the opportunities that they have. Taking teams like, get, get, listen, watch this. Would anyone be surprised? the Calgary Flames came back, won this game, and then the Jets went out and lost to Minnesota, and Calgary found a way to lose to the San Jose Sharks or lose a single point to the San Jose Sharks in their next game and eliminate themselves. Like I would not be surprised by that at all, but I'll just say this. There's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And people know I'm always honest about the Winnipeg Jets. There's, there is a right way to handle your business, and it's not getting outshot 15-4 to and coming out 3-1 yeah. at the beginning of the game, which the Jets have loved to do for so much of this season. It's doing what you do tonight. It's like absolutely dominating the opposition, not giving them a sniff, take, stealing away their hope, stealing away their confidence. That's how you do it. Every single team that plays the Calgary Flames down the stretcher, as good as they've played, as many wins as they've put up, walks away from that game feeling pretty good about themselves and their chances against the Calgary Flames. Just ask Detroit, ask the San Jose Sharks, ask the Nashville Predators what kind of hope they had in a game against the Winnipeg Jets. It was absolutely non-existent. Uh, that's how you get to the playoffs. And again, another reason why I think that the Winnipeg Jets are going to get there and are going to book their own ticket with at least a point in one of the last two games. Uh, I just wanted to touch on Niederreiter. Um, what, a, what, what, a, what a soldier. What a soldier for this Winnipeg Jets team. I mean, when you needed them to play the style of hockey that they're playing right now, the way that uh, the, the one thing that I think he marries so well with Adam Lowry is a they're they're putting points up the way that they are right now. Like to, to me tonight, that was clearly the best line for the Winnipeg Jets. And how nice is it when you can put out your third line and have them be your best line in a game that matters like that. But as good as Niederreiter is playing the boards, as ferocious as he is on the forecheck, as tough as he is to move in the front of the net, I think playing with Lowry has made him 10 feet taller. And if you see the way that he goes into the boards and attacks the attacks on the forecheck and fights through the checks, I, I feel like, and, and I'm not saying that he needed courage. I just honestly think the energy that Adam Lowry plays with, he goes to one side and he crashes and he loosens up the puck and it goes somewhere else. And it just makes sense if you're playing with a player like that, that you go in and you follow up and do the same thing because you just saw that work before. You know, Niederreiter doesn't need Adam Lowry to show him the way, but this is the way that leadership works. When a leader is going out and setting the tone, other people follow. Niederreiter is, has an internal tone that is already up here, but I think playing with Adam Lowry has brought it up another notch. That line is a dangerous line right now, and I think will be a crucial line in their game against the Minnesota Wild because the, we know the Minnesota Wild are a grinding team, and the Jets so far seem to have lacked the grind required to compete with that team. Uh, that line goes out and plays the way they did tonight, tomorrow, against the Minnesota Wild. I think that they can be a lethal weapon for the Jets in that game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I can, could not agree more, but there may come a time in the playoffs where he needs to move up in the lineup is is my only point there. And that and that's just because he's the kind of guy that's going to score in the postseason because of his ability to get to the net. And, and you know, it's not to say that the other guys can't, but uh, it'll be interesting to monitor. But that line's going to play a massive role for the Jets for as long as they are together. And let's spend a little bit of time. I know you touched on it. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about, a, first of all, who do you think? Do you think it was Ehlers or Connor? That was the game time decision tonight, Sean. Oh, I originally thought it was Ehlers, but watching Connor, I thought he was really good for a lot of the game. But I thought he maybe I think it actually was was Connor and not Ehlers is my personal take. I, I don't have a it's nothing other than a gut feeling, but um, to me it seemed like there were times where maybe and I would think it maybe more of a flu bug than a injury of any kind. So 
I don't. It's interesting because I looked at Kyle Connor and I agree with you. I didn't think he was at the top of his game, but I don't think he's been at the top of his game for a long time, which actually makes what the Jets have done lately scary because having him at the top of, of, of his game is the Jets' most offensively gifted player. So, so if he gets to that point, it's going to be dangerous. I think it's Ehlers, and I think it's Ehlers because I never saw him really get up to speed tonight. And I Fair. thought this was the first night that that line looked fairly human to me. Like I think along yep. with Nemesnikov, uh, they've looked absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and one of the things about Nemesnikov is his defensive presence has allowed for Ehlers to break away with the speed that he's broken, he breaks away with. He wasn't taking advantage of that tonight. Now, maybe it was a bit of an off night, but uh, um, uh, I, I do think that I didn't see from Nick Ehlers what we've seen from him in games past, which makes it difficult to tell which of those players was the one dealing with that. Ken, before we uh, move on, I got to tell you something. Remind me about Ehlers because we've talked something on this show about Ehlers ice time. So when I get out of this, remind me about Ehlers ice time. Something very interesting Jamal Mayers talked about in the broadcast. Um, oh, just going to right now. Just going well, to. Well, no, because I got to give a shout out to our friends at oh, Credit Union uh, who do so much in the community. Uh, and we're so appreciative to have them on board. Uh, one of the reasons, uh, because if you know uh, or if you are a frequent Kenny and Rennie show listener, you know that both Ken and I are proud Cambrian members. And something we love is the Cambrian Unfee account where you get your refunded service fees through the unfee account you simply set up a monthly direct deposit like your payer pension in your cambrian checking or savings account and you automatically get your banking fees refunded on the first day of every month no minimum amount required with cambrian's premium checking account unfee will save you 222 dollars a year visit cambrian.mb.ca to learn more okay ken so interesting really good mm-hmm. conversation with rick bonus today with the broadcast group Sure. And this was something I elicited. Jamal Mayers, that guy, stole it for the broadcast. But you know what? I'm willing to forgive him this one time and this one time only. Because you're a team because, player, Sean. You don't care who gets the credit. Come on. Or, or because he would pound me if I had any kind of problem with it, as Jamal uh, could, could very easily do. Um, but uh, it was interesting. We talked about it. And my question to him, and we never got to run it tonight, my question to him about Nick Ehlers was, is Nick Ehlers a tricky player for a coach to figure out? And his answer was, yes, very. His reason why was you never know what you're going to get from Nick Ehlers from shift to shift. Sometimes he grabs the puck and he skates like the wind, right? And when he does that, he puts defenders on their heels. He gets, the, you know, he turns their skates in the wrong direction. And what can happen is players can follow in that wake and that can, that can, you know, create a lot. But then in the very next shift, Nick Ehlers can go out and start overpassing the puck and doing those backhanded passes that he does and a little bit of the pretty things that he tries to do sometimes that turn into turnovers and the puck ends up going the wrong way, which is another way of saying a lot of times the players that play with Nick Ehlers don't know what he's going to do and it makes him hard to read because they never know which version of Nick Ehlers they're going to get. That's what the coach says. The reason he believes Nemesnikov and Ehlers work so well together is because Nemesnikov is the constant on that line. He's always in the right place and he's there first before Nick Ehlers is, which allows Ehlers to break away, start moving up ice. That gets his feet going, that gets his speed going, and Nick Ehlers starts playing the style of game that the head coach uh, wants him to play and that he believes the rest of the team can better play off of. And one of the reasons why Nick Ehlers is the most dynamic player for the Winnipeg Jets right now. That's not the most interesting thing he said, Ken. He volunteered and he said to me, you guys always talk about, so clearly, Ken, he's tuning into the Kenny and Rennie show afterwards, but he said, you guys always talk about his ice time. You're talking about the wrong thing. He said what you should be talking about with Nick Ehlers is the number of shifts he takes. Nick Ehlers does not run on in shifts the way that players like Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler do, where they get out there and they're out there for a minute and 20 seconds. That's why those players are getting the ice time they're getting, according to the head coach. He says Nick Ehlers gets in, gives everything he has when he's on his game, skates extremely fast, 
and then gets off the ice in the process of that. So he says, Nick Ehlers is getting equal opportunity to everybody else. It's just when he gets that opportunity, he throws everything he has at it and gets off the ice. But in that time, he creates as much as the next guy who goes out for the first 30 seconds, but then throws away the next 30 seconds because they're tired and they're not getting off the ice. What advanced stat metric would this this philosophy by Rick Bonus support? It doesn't have to be advanced. The shifts in the game were 1918 for Ehlers over Shifley. There so you go. It but doesn't have to be that, advanced. Points per 60 the, is what it was. Points per 60, exactly. So and that's, that's where he always has thrived. Always, that's the argument yes. that everyone has always been throwing and saying, Nick Ehlers needs more ice time. Nick sure. Ehlers needs more ice time. I We've cracked the code here. For everyone who questions this and questions what happens, Rick yeah. Bonus's belief is the ice time doesn't matter that's him being a good citizen getting out playing as hard as he can and getting off the ice whereas other players may have more ice time but they've got it because they're going out and they're not getting off the ice but nick ehlers is a phenomenal points per 60 player because he's getting the same opportunities according to the head coach because he gets the same number of shifts what he does in that shift in those shifts he does in a lower amount of time probably because he gets out with the mindset that he's going to drain the tank as fast as possible, whereas other players are trying to extend that tank and really wasting a lot of time on the ice. I thought it was an extremely interesting peek behind the scenes into the coaching minds, answering a question that a lot of you fans have had for a really long time. Uh, that is value on the K&R show. Yeah, great job. Uh, I'm actually a little bit disappointed we didn't figure this out before game 80, Sean, quite frankly, but I do still give you the stick taps for, for cracking the code. That is uh, very well, impressive. The coach told me. The coach told me. Yeah, but you still you put him in a position where he answered, so that, oh, that's good. It was a headlock, Ken. It was a headlock of a question, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Well, and here, so average shift length today, Ehlers 40 seconds, Shifley 101. So th- there's another there's example. There's your answer. Right? So there, there you go. And, and here, here's the other thing. One of the most important things about this game, Sean, because the Jets had a wide margin of you know comfort level in this game, the Jets didn't have to play those guys 16, 17 minutes. So, yes, people are looking at the sheet and saying, oh, Ehlers 12.50. Hey, if you want Ehlers to play 14 or 15 minutes against the Minnesota Wild on a back-to-back, that's why he played 12.50 today. So... And even guys like Shifley. Shifley's minutes were 18-26, so the fourth line got some minutes. It's important for the Jets to be fresh because their most important game, as Rick Bonus so aptly pointed out when he did not want to get drawn into any discussions about whether or not the Jets were peaking at the right time or showing some signs of their previous uh, totals uh, from pre-January 17th, all that matters is playing one more excellent game for the Winnipeg Jets, and that next game will be Tuesday against the Minnesota Wild, who will start Marc-Andre Fleury against Connor Hellebuck, who will make his 13th consecutive start and 64th of the season then? Hang on a second here. Let's let's just make sure. Uh, Hellebuck is about to make his... Yeah, it'll be his 64th start, which will lead the league by one over UC Soros, so uh, impressive, and Hellebuck's been very good down the stretch run here. Uh, I know some folks in my inbox thought that the Carlson power play goal should have been stopped. I'm sorry, (laughs) Stephen Lorenz was right in front. Hellebuck didn't see the shot. That's why it went in, so uh, I don't have an issue with that goal at all. No doubt. Um, Okay, we got to shut this down before we shut this down. We do what we always do before we shut down this show. And we say that it's time to throw a spotlight on the comments and choose a standout for the Home Field Dig Deeper Award. That comment on this night is going to be... I'll go with... Uh, oh, wait a sec. No, no. What? Here it is. Brady. Brady, game over Winnipeg. It says, every goal the Jets scored tonight was due to controlling the front of the net slash battling. 80 slot shot, 17 finishes with Nino hounding on the rebound wrap, 81 tip, 2 shot, 22 rebound, 42 clap with 62 on the screen. This is the way for all you Mandalorian fans. This isn't the Winnipeg Jets. There was no 
hint of snake. Hard to the net, battling, doing all the right things, getting in the kitchen of a goaltender that I know Rick Bonus said he liked. He didn't say specifically that, but he thought the Jets generated enough against the Sharks in their past games to beat them. And while I don't disagree with that, I disagree with the idea that they did enough when it came to making James Reimer feel uncomfortable in those games. They made him feel uncomfortable tonight, and it showed with their six goals. Great comment by Brady Game Over. And I just got to say, just like Brady Game Over, or thank you, Brady Game Over, for your winning comments. And just like Brady Game Over, Homefield is always going to dig deeper to find the best marketing solution for your company. Find out how at myhomefield.ca. Brady, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds full name and give me an email address and I will send you a voucher for your very own Kenny and Rennie slash home field trunk shovel. Get it while there's still snow because it's on its way out. Ken, that's it for us. Hey, Great before here. we go, oh, how about two, two quick things. Uh, how about the picture that Craig Zamzo sent to us about his use of the shovel in the backyard oh, with the uh, awesome. practice green. The green? Tremendous, tremendous. And just last thing, you know, we like to shine a light on Manitobans uh, on this program as well. Awesome to see Tristan Robbins uh, make his NHL debut with the Sharks. Uh, I thought he was had a couple of pretty effective shifts out there, Sean. Yeah, yeah. 16 shifts for 15-36, two shots on goal and a hit. Uh, the Robbins family well represented, a couple great tweets with uh, just a bunch of jerseys and uh, always just people. It's crazy, Sean. 32 teams in the league. You only get one crack at making your NHL debut against your home province team. Uh, that must have been just an absolute thrill uh, for Tristan Robbins, and you know, good on the family support uh, for being there for him. And and overall, looked like a fun night, even though they didn't win the game. And one other quick one: uh, some folks were eager about the potential for Connor Bedard to be rolling into town on Friday night. That will not happen. Bedard and the Regina Pats were eliminated by the Saskatoon Blades. The Winnipeg Ice will open against the Moose Jaw Warriors on Friday at the Ice Cave as their second-round Western Hockey League matchup gets underway. No doubt. Okay, let's uh, let's shut this down. Ken, you did a great job tonight. Chat room, you did so a great did you, job as friend. always. Oh, thank you so much. You're uh, welcome. And I do want to end this by saying what I always say. If you appreciate the conversations happening in these spaces, please, please appreciate the contributions by our sponsors who fight to keep these conversations going in these spaces. For us, that's Vittorio Rossi, the Transcanter Brewing Company, the Johnston Group, Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, and of course, Homefield. Thank you so much to them. Thank you so much to all of you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Winnipeg Jets have a chance to book their ticket to the Stanley Cup playoffs tomorrow night. Will they do it? You don't have to answer is, will you be here tomorrow night to share it with us? You better be, or I'm going to send Kenny after you. That's what we're going to do from now on. Let's get primed up and ready for the playoffs, and let's do it starting tomorrow night. We will see you all after the game. It has been a slice. The Kenny and Rennie Show is brought to you by Homefield. Cambrian Credit Union. Lou Ferlin. Trans-Canada Brewing, Vittorio Rossi, and Johnston Group.